Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? It's Soren Baker here on Unique Access with Soren Baker. Thanks for tuning in. And we're excited today because we have the honor and the privilege of being joined by Akil the MC. Now, of course, those of you that are familiar with him, he is a member of Jurassic 5 and has put in a lot of work over the years, both with Jurassic 5, aka J5, and on his own, of course. He's a great performer, great songwriter and his hand, had his hand in a lot of great stuff, both in the United States and of course, throughout the world. Now, during this conversation, which, you know, is an amazing one, and I'm very glad that we're about to put it up here on the podcast, Unique Access with Soren Baker. He talks about how hip hop existed in LA prior to gangster rap. And of all things, some of the record companies that he was reaching out to back in the day were wanting him to sound like the Uzi Brothers. Everybody raise their hand if you heard of them. But some of the other things we talk about is how Jurassic 5 got its name, how picking any records was a perfect situation for Jurassic 5, how the group got blackballed, some of the Biggie and Tupac beef, Shafiq Hussein doing some of Jurassic 5's first material, and how J5 isn't really functioning right now, and Akil gives an update on that. So that's a lot to get to. This is a great interview, and I'm glad you've tuned in to Unique Access with Soren Baker here on the Pantheon Podcast Network. So we look forward to your feedback. Thank you for listening, and hope you enjoy the show. What's up, everybody? It's Soren Baker here on Unique Access Entertainment. As always, please, please, please hit that subscribe button. It's right down there. As you all know, it's free, and that enables us to keep coming to you guys as often as possible with as many interviews as possible with as many of the icons and heroes of the game as possible. So please, please, please hit that subscribe button, like our content, share it, tell a friend, each one, teach one, talk about it, be about it, and we appreciate your guys' support on Unique Access Entertainment. Now, today, we have the honor and the privilege of being joined by a good man, a man I've known for a long time, Akil MC. Thank you for coming through, sir. Man, thank you for having me, Zorn, man. This is a, it's an honor, man. I'm, I'm, I'm most appreciative of this, man. Yeah. Well, I've been, as you know, <laughs> since I've known you, but I've been following you since, <laughs> since the 90s and, and very excited about that, uh, that you're on Unique Access Entertainment with me because I've been a fan of your work as a solo artist and then you know, of course, with Jurassic 5. So thank you very much for coming through. Man. And, uh, one thing that I, I wanted to get from you is it's kind of a, always an elephant in the room with the non-gangster rap crowd in L.A. Right. Uh, I always 
I'm always intrigued, not being from LA, but then coming to LA, the perception for you before you started pursuing music as a career, when you were just liking music, you were just into it, um, and way before you started getting record deals and being on different labels and stuff, when you saw the the Tone Lokes, the Young MCs, and these non-gangster rappers coming out of LA, and even the electro stuff way before that, um, right. you know, World Class Wrecking Crew and Egyptian Lover, all that type of stuff. Right. Once gangster rap then became a big thing, how were you as a fan, as a consumer, swayed, if at all? Did it make you think differently about how you were pursuing uh, listening to music, how you were consuming it? No, not at all. Because, you know, like as you had mentioned and stuff, you know, we had our electro funk and stuff and, you know, hip hop existed in LA prior to gangster rap. So I wasn't affected at all because we were, I had been rapping like how I'm rapping, you know, I kind of got, got a little better and stuff, but you know, how I had been rap, I, you know, I had already been rapping like that. And, and I was influenced off of gang members. A gang member taught me how to break. So, you know, the hip hop that I know, you know, wasn't affected by, you know, the gangster thing and stuff, you know what I'm saying? It was more, um, I, it was more um, uh, um, them just describing LA and, 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 you know, I'm from LA, you know? So I knew exactly what they were talking about. So I understood it. So it wasn't really a problem to me, it became a problem when the media made it a problem. That's who made it a problem and stuff. It wasn't actually, you know, cause I knew that they were generally speaking and stuff, you know, but then you had the media come in like, is this real? Is this not real? And, you know, and then you run into some people on the streets that's really in a gang, you know, that's really doing, you know, those type of things and stuff. Like, oh, that ain't real, that ain't real. And then, yeah, yeah. So now everybody's opinion is, oh, now that ain't real or it is real. So now you got this, keep it real type of you know thing so that part right there was kind of like um you know weathering the storm of, of that and stuff because people you know started thinking that everything that came out the west coast is, is gangster rap and stuff you know and you know that was that was the most you know trying thing you know because we trying to get a record deal so you know you i i, I literally had record labels like, like yo you heard of the Uzi brothers? Y'all need to sound like the Uzi brothers. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, we don't need to sound like no damn body. I thought that was the point and stuff, not to sound like nobody else and stuff, you know. But then you had, you know, had homeboys and stuff, you know, like people that, you know, was making money in the streets and stuff. And they're like, yo, hey, I think you, you need to rap like this and then get in the game and then you can switch up. And I'm like, always knew, I'm like, ain't no switching up, bro. It's like art, bro. Like, you know what I'm saying? Whatever you come out with, that's what you're gonna be pegged as. There ain't too many people that can switch up. You know what I'm saying? Be like, yeah, I'm doing gangster right now. I'm getting the industry. Now I'm finna just do some positive. Like, nah, bro, we ain't gonna let that happen and stuff, so. Well, that, that was always so bizarre to me, not being from Los Angeles because growing up in Maryland and listening to the music and obviously getting it far, far away and not being there, like Tone Loke, Young MC, the DOC, even though he's from Dallas, but right. being with Ruthless and stuff, 
um, Rodney Owen, Joe Cooley. There was so much, even of this era, when gangster rap exploded, that I never, I never looked at LA as this one thing. I looked at mm. LA as a, as a home for all these great things, and even low profile wasn't really gangster. Right. Um, right. And, right. And speaking of low profile with DJ Aladdin and Joe Cooley and M Walk and Ralph M and all these great DJs, Tony A, obviously Dr. Dre. Right. Quick, there were so many DJs that were incredible that I thought were among the best, if not the best DJs at the same time. So I know definitely. Definitely. That was where we would laid our pride in and stuff, more so in the um in the DJs than the rappers. The rappers eventually came, you know, it, it eventually came or whatnot, but for the most part, we was like in awe of the DJs and stuff, you know. That's what I you know, I grew up listening to, you know, to the DJs or whatnot and stuff. So that was the main thing. And, and as well as the gang members listen to the DJ, everybody listened to the DJs and stuff, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, and then I, I'm, I'm a 70s baby. So I grew up off of funk and soul and R&B and stuff. You know, I didn't hip hop came when I was a teenager. But before then, I was listening to to other music. I wasn't even lit, you know what I'm saying? So I wasn't necessarily influenced off of, you know, the whole gangster thing because it wasn't a it wasn't a, like it was a gangster party and stuff you know you know once it became in the 90s and stuff then you know people get painted this picture like oh it's a gangster party like you know and like that's the place the fuck you don't you don't want to end up at a gangster party <laughs> you know what i'm saying yeah. if you ain't a gangster you know what i'm saying <laughs> literally and stuff so you know it was just certain off limits Things that you know, but for the most part, most gang members, real gang members and stuff, you know what I'm saying? Prior to NWA blowing up, man, everybody loved real hip hop, man. Yeah. You know, everybody loved the variety of hip hop. It, 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 we loved the variety. It wasn't just a one way thing and stuff, you know? And that's what made it jaded when it became, you know, because it, it was a money, money situation. Like, you know, at the streets in LA at the time, there was a, a XXL, um, cover and it had all these drug dealers from all over the nation this was in 89 and so in 89 is when all the drug dealers got busted in la and stuff top guys in all around the nation and stuff you know so um the game dried up so the the next game was the rap game you know yeah. So so everybody start trying to you you start seeing everybody start moving. They trying to get them a producer. They got them some rappers. They got a label, you know. And everybody didn't figured it out because they already hanging with a lot of these record execs already anyway and stuff, you know, because they got money and they doing things and stuff. And maybe they didn't want to get in there because the the earlier drug dealers and stuff they would just you give you some money to buy some equipment and they wasn't looking for nothing back. They just wanted to help you out and stuff, you know what I'm saying? Like I've been um, I didn't watch the thing with uh, I guess. Uh, I guess big you put out and stuff oh, yeah. with, with all that, you know, but I mean, I, I know the story and stuff, you know what I'm saying? I'm not saying that I'm not, you know, not want, 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 want to watch them and stuff, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, it gets a narrative gets painted like it's like some bully thing and stuff. And that wasn't true. It became bully after they seen that they can make some money. Once the drug dealer, drug deal, drug, the drug game dried up. So where's the next money at? The next money is in rap. So now you get the, you know, Get your ass in the studio type <laughs> drug dealer you know what i'm saying like you better come over here you better get these songs done you know what i'm saying so it was this a different type so i seen the different phases of it 
go and stuff you know what i'm saying so I want well, to speak as a as an artist and as somebody who then uh in a few years was about to have this success what made you want to stay in the game when you had executives and people on the street telling you to do something that you didn't want to do like why what was it about you that made you not give up well, because I, I just love the art form of it and stuff and that, you know, gangster shit and, you know, gangbang stuff. That didn't excite me. None of that. None of that excited me and stuff. You know, like, I, I, I mean, I grew up with that all my life and stuff. So you wasn't telling me nothing that I didn't already know. And then for me to say it or do it and stuff, people know me. They know I ain't no gang member. They know I ain't from nowhere. So, you know, I can't sit up here in front. So because I knew the repercussions of fronting. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I, I, I had to weigh that against, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you go out there and you get to doing this stuff, then, you know, what can come back to you and stuff? You know what I'm saying? So I'm, I'm cool on the repercussions and stuff because I knew shit was real and stuff, you know? So, you know, and, and people that know me, they're like, man, you ain't that, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't live a lie, you know, to, to, to people and I couldn't live a lie to myself and stuff. So, you know, I just was like, you know, this is what we're going to do. We're going to keep pushing. And then it would just keep people ha kept having success stories and stuff. So like I said, one of my drug dealer homies, like, man, you say, like, man, it's like, man, you can, you, you can just switch it up and stuff. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, nah, I'm going to stick with this and stuff. And then like about two weeks later, then Wu-Tang came out and I was like, and then they start blowing up and stuff. And I was like, see, that's why I'm staying on this side. <laughs> Cause I know we got, there's a lane for what we do. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, you, it might not be working. You know what I'm saying? Over here on the West coast, it's a little difficult because you know, people are just jaded and think that they, they got the formula down packing what they need to do and stuff. You know what I'm saying? But I'm like, man, I'm gonna stick with my guns right here and stuff, you know? So. Well, also too, I think people forget, overlook, have selective memory, but like, the far side, the nonce. There's all these other groups that actually came out that were alcoholics. Alcoholics yeah. that were excellent groups that came out around yeah. the same time uh, that showed that artists could be successful. Yeah, yeah, and you can. You don't have to do what everybody else is doing and stuff. And then just the whole old age saying and stuff. You know, with hip hop and stuff, no biting allowed and stuff. Like I'm not trying to be like nobody else anyway and stuff. So you know, the styling that we were doing was our niche because you know knowing that you know you can got a lot of people coming in the game and everybody's got a lot of people sounding like and this you know so you're trying to figure out who you are and where you are at and stuff and what you're trying to do and stuff so you know it didn't make no sense for us to to, to abandon what we were doing to go to that and stuff you know what i'm saying it's like you know you starting all over again and stuff you know and you and you're not authentic neither <laughs> so yeah well what now uh, getting into jurassic five then what Looking back, what would you say as the group was forming early on? What were kind of everybody's, you know, the six of y'all's, each person's role and their strengths in particular at the time when you guys, even before United Revolution, <laughs> you know? Uh, well, because we were two, you know, two separate entities and stuff, you know what I'm saying? Really three, three separate entities. Newmark is his own person and stuff, you know, his own producer. And then, you know, Cut Chemist and Charlie and Mark Seven were their own thing and stuff. And, and it just actually happened just by way of uh, Cut Chemist seeing us perform my group, Rebels of Rhythm, Me, Soup, and um, Africa at The Good Life and stuff. And he's like, man, that was refreshing. Because, you know, it came a time at The Good Life where people started copying 
copying like Freestyle Fellowship and everybody started trying to sound like, you know, certain type of rappers up there and stuff. But we never was like, nah, I ain't never been on MO to try to sound like somebody else and stuff. And we barely, I'm, I'm not, I'm a good life kid, but I'm not like, we wasn't, we, I can't say we, 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 was, we, we was up there 24 seven. We was, you know, in the mix and stuff, you know, we just got in and then, you know, it just so happened that we end up meeting Charlie and them. And then Cut Chemist was like, yo, I got this beat. I think it'll match our old school style. Cause you know, the whole little old school flair that come from my crew, Rebels of Rhythm and stuff, you know what I'm saying? So he was like, man, I got this beat. I think, you know, y'all sound good on this stuff. You know, you mind doing something? It's like, yeah, yeah, we'll do it. Cause a year prior we had already seen Charlie and stuff. And, and we was like, yo man, we, we should do a song. It's like, yeah, okay. Yeah, we gonna do a song. And that never happened. So when this opportunity came, it's like, oh, we'll cut. Okay, we'll do that with you and stuff. And then we did our verse. And then he was like, man, he said, you think my crew can get on it and stuff? You know what I'm saying? So when they got on it, they had this like run DMC style, that back and forth, you know? So it's a, so, so Rebels of Rhythm became a mesh of that back and forth style with this melody, harmony type, old school flavor type thing. And this is, you know, what meshed and made, you know, Jurassic Five, Jurassic Five and stuff, you know? So when they, once they got on it, it was like, yo, this is this is a nice song. So, but we just only wanted to perform it at the good life and stuff. You know, we did the song and so I was like, okay, nice, let's go do it at the good life and stuff. You know what I'm saying? See, and people start loving. They was like, yo, calling us Unified Revolution, Unified Revolution. We it wasn't even there was no Jurassic Five at this point and stuff. There was no name and stuff. You know, and then um, we start doing little shows with uh, Bigger B. Uh, around the city and stuff, you know, each individually. So when they would do a show, they would come bring us up and then we'd do the song and stuff. And then when we do the show, then we'd bring them up because we had this song together and stuff. So we would, you know, do it different places and whatnot and stuff. So we both had demo deals. Um, we, had, I had a demo, we had a demo deal with Relativity at the time. And then um, I think they had a, a, a deal with uh, uh, Chrysalis. So we was both looking to get signed. We still, I'm like, I'm pushing Rebels Rhythm and stuff. And then, you know, that shit didn't happen. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Nothing happened. So he's like, man, you know what, man? Fuck these labels, man. Whatever, man. I ain't, I'm not with this, you know, like whatever, you know. So Cut Chemist had been listening to DJ Shadow. So he was like, you know, I, I, I like this guy right here. You know, he putting out his own records and stuff. You know what I'm saying? What, you know, what do y'all think about, you know, putting out a record? You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, no, that's a good idea. So I guess one day, they got together. I wasn't there and stuff. And it's like, yo, you know, they put up their money. It's like $500 and stuff. So it's six of us in the group and stuff. So each person paid a hundred dollars and stuff. You know what I'm saying? My hundred dollars just would have made it 600, but we didn't need 600. So I ain't, I ain't had the money at the time. No goddamn way and stuff. So all I heard, it was like, yo, we, we got, we gonna, we gonna get a record press. We got, we got, I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, that's cool. How did it end up getting uh, with Blunt? So, 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 uh, so once we, we put the 12 inch out, shot it to the people that we knew DJs around the country and stuff, people, cause soup worked at, you know, I think he was working at, uh, Interscope at the time, but he was doing radio promo and stuff. So he was pushing records and stuff. And then we knew other people that was pushing records. So then, um, TVT ended up picking it up, Blunt TVT. And they was like, yo, we like this. You know what I'm saying? You know, we, you know, we want to give y'all a deal and stuff, you know what I'm saying? And us just, you know, just anybody saying they want to give you a deal is like, you know, hell yeah. Like, you know, like, 
you know, it was just a 12 inch, but it was still just the offer, you know, just the fact that, you know, we doing all this hard work and then the payoff supposedly would be get to get signed and stuff, you know what I'm saying? So we like, yeah, 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 yeah. So they like, you know, um, what's the name of the group? Cause it don't say nothing on that on, on 12 inches stuff, you know what I'm saying? And so then Charlie, prior to this and stuff, he came back one day from uh, home and stuff, and he was with his wife. I mean, his uh, his uh, son's mom at the time, and she she was like, "Yo, you know, um, listening to the song, she's like, y'all think y'all sound like the Fantastic Five? It's more like the Jurassic Five." And Charlie was like, "Yo, that's funny, but that that's a dope name, like you know what I'm saying? Like, yo, what you know?" I'm going to take this back to the fellas. So he came. We had a rehearsal one day. So he's like, yo, fellas, you know what I'm saying? Talking to Denise and stuff. And she said something. Not Fantastic Five, Jurassic Five and stuff. And it's like, oh, that's nice. And he's like, yeah, what do y'all think about this if we become a group? Like, yeah, that's cool and stuff. But for me, I was, in, my, in my mind, I was like, yeah, that's cool. But I'm like, I'm Rebels Rhythm. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, like, you know, like yeah, that's cool. But, you know, this is, you know, whatever it is, you know, it turned out to be whatever it is going to be and stuff. You know what I'm saying? And... The label called us and they like, hey, but what's the name of the group? <laughs> Jurassic Five. And then this is how we became Jurassic Five. So you're talking about the functions and stuff. So Newmark was already producing and stuff. So he had produced some stuff for Charlie and them on their demo and stuff. So he had a B-side on this first 12-inch and stuff, the Unified Revolution. And then Cut Chemist had a B-side and stuff, you know, a little production type, sampling type thing that they do or whatnot and stuff. So... um everybody just basically fell into who they are and what they do and stuff, you know? So, you know, Cut Chemist was already, you know, doing production and stuff, you know? So, uh, and then the group overall, the group overall is the production crew, you know? So every, everybody play a part and stuff, you know, everybody functions as, uh, you know, I function as an MC and stuff, but, you know, I also function as a producer. I function as a, a show coordinator, you know? I, I can DJ, you know, I've had to do that at times and whatnot and stuff, you know, uh, I wrote a lot of the choruses from for Jurassic 5 and stuff, so, you know, everybody played a part and stuff, so I, I wouldn't slight no one, say, oh, this person does more than this person, everybody does their thing and stuff, you know, so Jurassic 5 produced Jurassic 5, just to put that on the record and stuff, you know. Well, speaking of the choruses, because the the harmonizing and all that stuff is one of the things that you guys eventually became famous for and toured the world i i would say because of at least in part and it, as i think about this and i've been talking to a few people about this recently it's just amazing to me that the uh the furious five the cold cars brothers the treacherous three never recorded their routines as songs or never right applied them but you guys did <laughs> so right. So that to me, when I was first hearing you guys in this 95, 96 era, that was one of the first things I thought of, like, wow, they're doing something I always had thought of, like, um, you know, Davy D and Hurricane did it a little bit uh, with Live at Holiday and, and some of their records on Davy's Ride. But I always was like, man, why don't we have these records? So for you guys, mm. what made that? I know that's just elevating from the what you were doing on your shows, but what made that a, a natural thing for you, whereas literally almost no one else ever did that? I don't know why nobody else ever did it. 
but I know we just seen the 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 creativity of it and the melody and the harmony and stuff like that. And it was like, you know, trying to 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 find your way in it within a world of all these talented people and stuff, you know what I'm saying? So this was a niche that, you know, like I said, it just it just so happened that Charlie and Mark was had that run DMC type style. So that that just meshed together. But Rebels Original, we had already been kind of like doing that old school flavor, you know, like you, that vibe and stuff, because we we said, man, we gotta pick a niche that nobody else ain't ain't doing and stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like that's that's well, more good. We definitely had that lane on lock. <laughs> I mean and still on lock. It ain't still nobody haven't even walked in that lane. Still to this day. I it, it trips me out and stuff, you know? Like like I'm like, yo, like and even even what what you were saying, I was like, I'll be I'll be thinking I'm like, yo man Man, Grandmaster Cass and them, they need, they need to make an album doing routines. They need to just do a whole routine, exactly what we doing. You know, like they can do the same same shit and blow up because the harmonies and people like harmony. People like melody and stuff, you know what I'm saying? That's, you know, even a lot of these kids, kids is, is thriving on hip hop right now because of their melodies and, uh, you know, and rhythmic type style or whatnot and stuff. But that, but that partic- in particular and stuff is just, uh, it's nostalgic, but then it's 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 still like you know, it just shows harmony and stuff, you know. And I think this world lacks harmony, so people love harmony. So I always seen them. I'm like, man, don't do nothing new. I would do my all my old school. I would do all them routines. I know they got a gang of routines and stuff, you know. So you know, we didn't try to pick and do theirs and stuff, you know. We take little pieces here and there, and you know, just on some showing some love and stuff. But for the most part, we was trying to. You know, bring uh, something old in today's times, which is basically what Jurassic Park did and stuff. You know what I'm saying? Brought something from DNA from the old in today's times and stuff. You know what I'm saying? And make make something that seemed like it was a myth actually reality. Though this can this can exist in in these times and stuff. You know, so and, and that you know, as you may recall, I've seen you guys perform probably a dozen times over the years in different states, different venues, different right. size, size venues, big, small, uh, out of state, whatever. Right. And that to me was always the thing that impressed me, whether you were doing a smaller thing at the House of Blues in LA or West Hollywood, or mm-hmm. if you were doing a, like a festival, like you guys got the same response. You know? Right, right. And that, right. that to me, for a group that wasn't going gold and platinum and selling these millions of records, right? That you could get that response in front of five hundred people, five thousand or twenty thousand. No, real, real talk, real talk. That it, it always tripped me out. Just like I'm like, yo, this is what we got here is good. Like we don't have to do nothing else, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm not trying to stray from this. Like you know, I know I can do. I do other stuff, and you know, as an individual and stuff, you know, and we can all do you know but this right here if it ain't broke don't fix it and stuff you know and you know that's that's where i was at with it and stuff because people love this i'm looking at the people's response and stuff not just you know you might catch catch yourself on a on a, a teleprompter or something and i'm like damn like this looks actually good like because when you're performing this you don't know that you know you that's what it looked like and stuff and then i might see some pictures back or a video and i'm like that's what we look like on stage <laughs> like like uh, yo, this shit is nice right here. So then, so as you guys are developing, Blunt doesn't end up working out, and then you end up with yeah. the Rumble and Piccaninny for the EP. 
Yep. One, I think it's important to, uh, to educate people that Piccaninny is a female-owned record label. Yeah, yeah, T-Love. That's the homegirl T-Love and stuff, you know what I'm saying? So she looked out. She had a, a distribution deal with uh, with um, uh, New Groove. I think that was New Groove, if I'm not mistaken, and stuff. And um, so she had a three-album three distribution deal. So um, I think she was dating Newmark at the time and stuff. And she's like, yo, you know, I got this deal, you know what I'm saying, you know. I got a, something together and stuff, you know, you can, you know, basically help me finish, finish off this deal real fast and stuff, you know what I'm saying, basically and stuff. So, you know, we can slash, you know, slash Rumble Records, y'all record label and, you know, half of, half of my stuff, you know what I'm saying, and then do it like that. And I was like, oh, this is cool. I'm cool with that. You know what I'm saying? Because we was already jaded from getting signed for this 12 inch and then they not really want to, you know, exercise their, their rights to to do an album we like fuck the record label man whatever man so back to doing it our own self again and stuff you know so that was a perfect situation for us and that really that really took off for us and showed that we can do more than one song um showed that we can complete a project and you know and we got out there on the road and stuff and uh started uh traveling to to europe and um a label overseas uh play it again sam um picked that uh, EP up and and wanted to distribute it and uh, make it an album. So we just gave him a couple of more songs and it became a, a album and stuff. And then we toured Europe like crazy, you know, from that point on and stuff. And then uh, Interscope and all these other labels start coming in, you know, like oh, you want to, you know, because they just, you know, you know, hear about us performing and stuff. And you know, this group, like you know, and that was that was because we didn't like you said we wasn't no gold selling no platinum selling you know group and stuff but we'll sell out your show you know what i'm saying so all all the promoters fucked with us and stuff you know all over the world is like yo people want to go to see a jurassic five show and stuff so you know yes yeah. and, and that that to me was always super impressive because when the ep came out and i know t love too shout out to her right but i just always thought it was amazing that this independent thing caught on not only in the United States, but around the world. Right. So, and and to belabor the point, you guys weren't a gold or platinum uh, artist even before getting the Interscope, but you had branched off to Europe so heavily. So right. what, um, you know, people talk about the different shows and stuff there, but I wanted you to really get into the difference of how you saw the business of rap in the mid to late 90s in the United States versus in Europe, what was the the record side of things like, and the promotion side of things like, being in Europe, being versus being in the United States? Um, well, we really didn't know the United States like that. We 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 um we just knew people that were in the industry and stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, but for us, on our personal experiences, like we. I would want to get pampered like you know, the people that we were seeing and stuff. You know, my boy Trevor worked at Loud Records, so we seen you know the licks and getting pampered. We seen everybody else getting certain things, and we like, yo, we gotta be next. Like you know, like like you know, hopefully we can get done like this. The promotional items, you know, he's doing the stickers, big stickers all over, and you know, it was just that time and stuff. So you know. We want to be in that, but that never happened for us uh, in the States like that and stuff, you know. So in Europe, you know, doing all the press and stuff, that that was like, you know, 
like whoa this is like now now we're feeling like we're i guess we're in in the industry but we still we're in europe though you know what i'm saying it's not still not america or whatnot and stuff but still it's just as good enough for my ego and shit you know what i'm saying like <laughs> doing big festivals and you know everything so the um I, I really can't compare the difference because we never really experienced that but i would say um they just it was just more attention on us and stuff you know just uh then than it was what was happening in the states for us at the time and stuff you know i guess and the the roots had a similar experience so when you guys were coming up did you guys happen across them in the in this jurassic 5 ep era or not Nope, not at all. That's not at yeah, that's crazy. Not at all. Nope, it wasn't until um, that we we really actually met when the, the things things fall apart. Okay, so that's like ninety nine. Yeah, 99. yeah, around that time. Yeah, yeah, and and actually, shit, we 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 did some shows with them in uh, Australia. So it wasn't even in the states. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That we met them. It was on the road. That's you know yeah yeah so a lot of a lot of people we would meet on the road and stuff should i met kendrick in japan i met uh a snoop dogg in australia <laughs> so <laughs> yeah that's crazy so what's the so kendrick snoop dogg even the roots because with things fall apart that was a gold album with the these people have been selling these huge amount of records you guys are touring with them what was the reaction overseas of the fans. Cause I think in America, we have a very uh, slanted view where so much is sales. Whereas yeah. I, I think in the rest of the world from my, compared to you limited travels, but I've been to, I think 13 or 14 countries. Wow. They don't, they don't uh, look at the sales as much as we do here. Yeah, yeah, no, no, it's, it's the art. It's it's all it's all about the art. It's like, yo, you actually performing and stuff, and especially at that time, you know, you gotta imagine like, you know, you had all this, you know, Biggie and Tupac stuff that went on and stuff, you know. So people is just jaded from all of that shit and stuff. So they like, man, we want to get back to what what hip hop was and stuff because it took this detour for a couple of years or a few years and stuff, and you know, and then you get this most deaths pop up and then the Jurassic Fives and then, you know, it's all this rockets and, you know, all this, you know, it's this whole new energy and synergy that's going on and stuff. So people are, you know, they want that, you know, because they can't understand the gangster stuff, you know what I'm saying? Just by, just demographically and stuff, you know what I'm saying? They, they can't, you know, they, they can't relate and shit, you know what I'm saying? You know, they trying to, cause they like everything that, that's American and stuff, you know what I'm saying? So you will make it you know, whether it's a violent out, I mean, violent uh, movie or whatnot, so anything they want to worship, you know, whatever Americans are doing and stuff, but a lot of them couldn't relate and stuff, you know? So, you know, Jurassic 5 fell right at that time. They're like, yo, I, 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 I like this. This is what I'm digging. I'm, I'm, I'm cool with this. I'm, you know, it's B-boy, you know, friendly. It was, you know, graffiti friendly. It was, you know, skateboard, you know, it's friendly. It was, you know, uh, BMX bike friendly. It was all, all of these offshoot things that, you know, that's culture driven and stuff, you know what I'm saying? That gangster rap couldn't supply, you know what I'm saying? The, the backdrop too and stuff. So, you know, Jurassic five fell right in that. And like I said, it's just a nostalgia thing. Cause you know, in England, you know, they had been rocking Kangos and you know, the old school flavor, you know what I'm saying? You know, 
that's that's always been you know part of their their upbringing and stuff so when they see us come back with that flavor and that style and stuff it's like embraced and stuff they embraced us like you know none other and stuff you know so and 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 to that point the ju song from the ep and then obviously was a single too that one i've seen you guys perform that so many times over the years so as time went on and as you look back now what was it about that song do you think resonates so much with people well i gave um the backdrop on it and stuff so cut chemist had this tape and he had a tape of a, a whole a whole bunch of beats on it. it had all all his beats on one tape and stuff you know what i'm saying so most of the most of the majority everything that jurassic five used from cut chemist came from this tape and stuff so when he first played the tape it was a huge joints on there that I heard. I was like, yo, that's nice and stuff. So we had just got to a few of them. So one of them was uh, the J.U. beat. I'm like, yo, you know, I'm from the hood and stuff. So out of all the stuff that they were sampling, you know, you know, when you sample and stuff, all the music is in one thing. You know what I'm saying? So if it got some bass, you can't turn the bass up and shit because you're turning up everything and stuff. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, I'm from the hood. You know what I'm saying? People want to hear some bass. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, like, you know, I'm cool with, you know, a lot of production is cool, but a lot of that shit ain't got no bass. You know what I'm saying? Like, yo, man, like, you know, I'm, if we're going to put something out and stuff, you know what I'm saying? We need something that's, you know, you know, so when I heard that beat, I'm like, yo, that's the closest one that got some bass and nicely, you know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and the night and not the flute loop was dope. It was just dope. You know what I'm saying? It was just a dope loop. Like, yo, that's that. So that prompted me that I pushed hard. And I'm like, yo, you do you know you had some of my group members that did not want to do that? Really? That's shocking. That's like one of your biggest songs. Yeah, that's yeah, I, I yeah, yeah. So you know, that's just some other shit. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I I'm, I'm, I guess I, I'm just a, a, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just a visionary on that and stuff. You know what I'm saying? As far as beats and stuff, like yo, you know, I know how to pick a beat. Everybody, every MC don't know how to pick a beat and stuff. You know what I'm saying? So for me, I, I do beats too. So you know what I'm saying? I DJ. So I'm already acclimated to this, and I'm like, yo, I know what people gonna like. Right. I already knew that, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, yo, this is gonna be and 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 it did what exactly what I thought it was gonna do, and it satisfied me because, like I said, it has some bass in it, so I can play it for some of the homies. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I don't want to play no corny ass music for your homeboys and stuff. Like, yeah, this is it. Well, <laughs> well, in addition to the uh, the sampling, uh, given that you guys are from, you know, Charlie's from Chicago, you guys are from different parts of LA, whatever. Right. Was there a, a musical slash cultural slash influ, influence thing that was going on at times beyond the bass element, or did it work, you know, pretty well all the time? Um, I mean, some stuff I liked and some stuff I didn't and stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, not a lot, but for the most part, I because I understood what we were doing and stuff. You know what I'm saying? It was more so the theme, the theme of what we were doing, and you know, and and, and staying in that and stuff, but. You know the part of me like having a record out and stuff you know what i'm saying finally getting to that point and being famous i want i want i want to hear somebody i want to hear my homeboy roll up bumping my shit. you know what i'm saying like you know it, it that that never really happened and stuff you know what i'm saying like you know here and there a couple of records here and there but for the most part you know and these my friends you know what i'm saying like these people that you know so where i come from i want people i want to 
I want somebody to ride down the street bumping my shit. I'm listening to everybody else shit for, for years. So when it finally come my time and stuff, I want my shit to, you know, like, you know, to 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 hit and stuff, you know. So some stuff, you know, um, if it sounded too corny, I'm gonna I'm gonna express my like, yo, bro, you know, that I understand, but that shit is sound that's just corny right there. And still, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not really with that. Like a a, a song, a drash finish first and stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, I hated that. I hate that song. <laughs> Not the song because Charlie and them made the song better and stuff. But when I heard the beat, I'm like, ah, this some corny ass shit. Like, nah, I don't want to rap that. So me and Soup is not on that song because we didn't like that beat. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, you know, so for me, it's like, yo, like, like I said, you know, wanting to impress, you know, your 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 friends and family outside of you know the music stuff, just people where I come from. Like, yo, I want somebody to be rolling down the street listening to my shit. So bass you know, meant a lot to me, you know, because I knew it meant a lot to people that was in their cars and shit. You know what I'm saying? You ain't got no bass. They not fucking with you. And so, so, you know, like, it's cool. Yeah, we, we like your show. Show dope. Hey, they give it up. Oh, dope, dope and stuff. But, you know, so I, 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 I for me, it, it was a thin line, you know, and, you know, because, uh, you know, yeah, I'm not the only one picking the beat. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's a group thing and stuff. So you got to, you know, figure out what works and stuff, you know, so, yeah. Well, another song off the EP that really worked was The Concrete Schoolyard, and that ended up being on the B-side of the improvised single. Yep. For Interscope. Yep. When, uh, after your experience with Blunt, Piccanini, Europe, all these different things that were going on, what made Interscope the right fit, you know, before you guys did the deal, as you guys were discussing it and, and looking at different options and things, why Interscope in particular did you make that move? Yeah, because we had a lot of offers from a lot of different places and stuff, you know. Uh, big up to Paul Stewart and stuff. He was trying to trying to get us over there at Virgin and stuff, you know. But um, Charlie uh, ended up signing with Ozo Motley before Jurassic 5 signed. And Ozo Motley was distributed by way of uh, I forget what label they was on, but it was distributed through Interscope and stuff. So, so when Charlie uh, they did that deal and stuff, Charlie I guess he had uh, his lawyer had um, devised that you know let them know that he was in Jurassic Five too, and you know this is you know a thing that he's going to be doing or whatnot and stuff. So he basically had a separate deal already, you know, set up for him and stuff at Interscope and stuff. You know what I'm saying before we signed over there and stuff. So um, him being over there and it kind of got a little difficult and stuff, you know, um, with, uh, you know, as far as, uh, you know, who you with, you know what I'm saying? Like what, what you, what you rolling with and stuff, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, he, uh, uh, him, him having that deal over there was like, man, you know, in order to make this thing work easier and stuff, we probably need to just go over to Interscope and stuff, you know, and so we can, Married this. So because of Charlie, <laughs> we signed with Interscope. Solely. Solely because of that. Nothing else at all and stuff. You know what I'm saying? And then, you know, as added additives and stuff, you know, they was cool with us and stuff. You know what I'm saying? Tom Wally and uh Jimmy Ivan. We didn't really know Jimmy at this time and stuff, but you know, they were all were in a meeting Ted Fields and stuff, you know what I'm saying? So they, you know, coaxing us, they come on over here and stuff, you know what I'm saying? This, that, and the other. So, you know, 
and then they let us do what, what we wanted to do and stuff. We never had a problem with um, um, them saying, oh, no, we don't want this record. Go make another record. We need a single, this, that, and the other and stuff. It was never none of that and stuff. And then we never got forced to not do what we were doing and stuff. You know what I'm saying? Well, um, that, that to me was refreshing and impressive from the EP in the quality control because it just seemed like a continuation um, as you're well aware, a lot of groups, like you said for yourself personally, a lot of people flip up a little bit when they get that big deal or they kind of change a little bit of what they do, but I never got the sense you do. You did. Right. So um, what what were they telling you? Just like, just do your own thing? Like they encourage you or they just didn't say anything? Like what They didn't even say anything and stuff. Because the first, the first album... Uh, Tom Wally was over there and stuff. So um, we got three videos, three singles, you know what I'm saying? It was just all love. Second album, Tom Wally left. And shit changed. You know what I'm saying? Like, it wasn't even like like they were forcing us or nothing like that and stuff. It was just, you know, um, a few things happened and stuff. You know what I'm saying? That, you know... One of my group members was talking shit about Jimmy Iovine. Well, that's never a good thing. Yeah, so, you know, uh, blackballed us. We were blackballed the whole time and didn't know it. The, 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 our saving grace is that we had a booking agent and stuff, and we never took tour support. So, you know, we didn't depend on, on Interscope to do no touring. Every all the tours we did, we already where we already had. Whether we was going out with Fiona Apple, whether we was going on, you know, Lollapalooza, whether we was going on, you know, what I'm saying, smoking grooves. All of the tours that we did and stuff, you know, what I'm saying, was already us. It had nothing to do with Interscope at all. No, no touring, and that's where our strong point was and stuff. So, but we didn't know we were, you know, blackballed is what I'm saying and stuff. You know what I'm saying? So we had in between that time. Like I said, one 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 of my group members said some shit about Jimmy Iovine. I ain't gonna even say the name, but one of them said some shit, and and Jimmy went the fuck off. He was finna the fucking. He was like, "I'll snatch y'all shit off the shelf right now." This is just before Power Numbers is finna come out. Oh wow! And he like, "Yo, what the fuck? Who the fuck you think you are?" But literally, he's saying this to my my manager at the time and stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like. The fuck, you know, woo, woo. And, and none of us knew this guy did this interview. Wow. You know what I'm saying? So this is all, you know, like, like come to us like, yo, what the fuck? Like, what, 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 what is this? Like, ah, oh, you know, he didn't say something. Jimmy is like willing to snatch the thing off. Woo, woo. So after that happened and stuff you know what's golden video was already shot everything so that had to come out and stuff you know what i'm saying that was just definitely gonna come out that's the only video for that album well i was always curious as to why it didn't get more push now man man that was our that was our best that was our best album you I, know I would, I would agree that was our, yeah that was our best that was our best shit right there and stuff you know what i'm saying that was fucking solid and stuff you know what i'm saying had we had plenty singles to push on that mug and stuff but what wasn't, wasn't fucking with us, but we didn't know we didn't know that. We didn't even we didn't even know this. We didn't know I didn't know this until about 
three or four years ago, bro. Whoa, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, yeah. Somebody had ran into um to uh Eric Sermon ran into Charlie Tuna and he asked him, he said, Yo, what's up? You talk to Jimmy, you know what I'm saying? What's up, James? Like, oh man, I don't, I don't Jimmy and stuff because his solo deal didn't go how <laughs> it was supposed to go or whatnot and stuff, and you know what I'm saying? So he like. You know, and then and, and so Eric Sermon's like, no, 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 hold on, hold on. He said, man, he said, man, um, he said they loved y'all up there. He said, he said, he said, Dre, me, I think it's Timberland and somebody else. We used to listen to anything that came through Interscope. Jimmy would have him listen to like, yo, you know, it's, it's, yeah, this is cool. Y'all had thumbs up. He said, but your boy did that interview and fucked y'all shit up. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, because this person didn't even apologize to the person. He didn't even apologize to Jimmy and stuff. He sent the manager to go apologize and shit. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. Yeah. That was that bullshit. You know what I'm saying? Well that that's uh very sad and unfortunate for you guys, but I think it's it's important that people understand so much of the stuff that happens and doesn't happen has little to do with the music. It's right other factors. Right, right. And this is right. A, this is sadly a, a key example of that. Um, nah, definitely, definitely, definitely. And you know, because like, and it'd be stuff that you don't even have. Not, like, it, not every person in the group has don't even know that. Like, right. Nobody don't even. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was, it was unbeknownst to us and stuff. You know, but you, you, you still suffer because you're a part of a a group and stuff. You know what I'm right. saying? And this happened several times after that. You know. So in concrete schoolyard because um that was your first to my recollection interscope release as a single right there were a few things i wanted to know about it one um artists have very different ways of looking at things but since concrete schoolyard had already been out why did you guys put it because i know some artists are like i'm never going to put a song out more than once and you guys for instance did and so put it what, up what was the strategy for including it on the single even though it had already been out i don't even know to tell you the truth <laughs> like i think i think it was just uh buying space buying time like in between the, the album or something like that and it was just like something extra and i i thought it was dope i'm like yo we got paid three times off the same thing <laughs> you know what i'm saying so I was definitely cool with it like what they gonna pick this? they picking this up too what they want to license this for us sure you know what i'm saying i didn't even know that you know i i until you said it right now i i forgot that they even that a single came out because it was already out so i i didn't even count it like it was something new in my mind like yeah you know this is representing us i just looked at it as like okay this this is going to hold people over until we come like this you know what i'm saying like it was just something that they wanted to pick up because i didn't even understand why they picked it up neither and stuff you know but you know i was happy you know what i'm saying get yeah. a couple dollars and stuff so so you know it made sense and stuff and so and then you know concrete schoolyard was like one of the that's that's one of our biggest hits in europe and stuff you know i wrote that chorus and stuff you know what i'm saying so it became real real big and stuff so i'm i love it you know? and then what what was the because it was around one and a half, two years between improvised probably and quality control. So what was the, the, what took so long to make the album and get it out in the market? 
Um. Hmm. Cause it 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 it, it really all happened fast and stuff because. Um. Let me see, because 97 is the EP came out in 97. And then those singles came out, what, in 98? 98. And then the album came out in, like, 2000. So it was, like, it was, I just remember it was a long gap for me because I was excited. I was getting familiar with you guys. Right. I knew you had signed the Interscope, but then it took a, let's just say, an extra year more than I thought it was going to take for the album that came out. Right. I, I'm not sure. I guess we was touring or and just, you know, I guess trying to finish up the album, recording and stuff, you know. Um, got a late start on that and stuff, you know. You know okay. trying, to, trying to figure out what, you know, what what what's going to go first and stuff, you know what I'm saying. What's, you know, what's the process and stuff, you know, so. Okay. Um, I don't know if you know, you know Shafiq, you know Shafiq Hussein? Yeah, so Shafiq, Shafiq had some tracks, and so we had a little apartment and stuff, and we was like, you know, writing stuff, you know, and we was waiting on uh, Newmark and Cut Chemist to send us some tracks and stuff, and they was just fucking taking forever, like, you know, just usual same bullshit and stuff, you know what I'm saying, just waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting, and so I'm like, yo, you know, I fuck with Shafiq already, I'm like, yo, I got this VS880, we can, you um, just start, you know, you know, uh, record our vocals on here and just like, let's see what this shit can sound like and stuff. So we got this track and stuff and we had a couple of courses and some shit already wrote and stuff. It's like, yo, man, this this chorus sound tight on this beat right here and stuff, you know. So the first stuff we recorded was with Shafi and stuff because he had his shit ready and stuff, you know what I'm saying? And that put fire... I guess up under their ass and stuff to, you know, like, yo, man, we got to move. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is, we, we got to, you know, like what you're saying, you waiting and shit. Like, people, like, people are waiting, bro. Like, you know what I'm saying? And we're ready to go, but, you know, you know, this part of the training, you know, moving a little slow right now and stuff. So, Shafiq was just the one that started us off with the album and stuff, you know, that song 12 and stuff. So, gotcha. yeah. Okay. So then going back forward to you find out your blackball at Interscope and then you uh, I wanted to know as the group members started doing different things, what made Soundcheck in 2016 something that you wanted to do and that you ended up putting out that album? As a solo, tomorrow as a solo artist for me, yeah. Soundcheck and stuff. Oh yeah, because uh, in 2006 the group broke up. So we had after um, after um, uh power and numbers then the next album was feedback and stuff you know what i'm saying and um um it took a long time for us to to even get a meeting with with jimmy because of the black ball thing and stuff but my manager was uh managing damian marley at the time and stuff so damian was blowing up with the um welcome to jam rock so they wanted to sign damian they didn't know my manager was managing damian and stuff so Jimmy called, like, trying to get in contact, like, you know, so he called and ended up getting my manager and stuff, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, you know, then, so once he went and had the meeting with them and stuff, by way, thanks, Damien, by way of Damien Marley and stuff, you know what I'm saying, via that is how we got our meeting with Jimmy to, to do the last album and stuff, you know, and after that album and stuff, you know, we went, like, like about four months 
on tour, maybe that, and end up breaking up. And that was 2006 going into 2007. So from 2007 to 2013, we was broke up. And, you know, I was like, man, let me just, you know, just I, I was always creating music anyway and stuff, you know. I was like, let me just, you know, put together something and stuff, you know. And I always have been putting stuff, but I never seen myself as putting myself the cart before the horse and stuff. J, I'm a J5, you know, first. I got famous for J5. I didn't get famous for no solo shit, you know what I'm saying? So I don't give a fuck about no solo artist type shit, you know what I'm saying? Like, whatever. I'll leave that to other people, but I had to feed my family. So I had to do what I had to do. So I toured the world for like seven to eight years in between that time and stuff just as a solo artist with nothing out. I didn't put nothing out. No, I remember. You know what I'm saying? I didn't have nothing out, but I'm all over the world doing, you know what I'm saying? And I'm saying, hey, I got the sound, sound check coming and stuff. And I, and I, but I really didn't want to even push it. And I still didn't even push it. I get, I just shot it. I told you about it because, because you was, you know, you started off my album and stuff. So, you know, but. Still to this day, like most people don't even know I even did anything. That shit is a solid ass album, but I've I've been always been hard at promoting my own self and stuff. You know what I'm saying? But so what made made me do it is that like like I'm I just I just like music. I'm an artist and stuff, you know. So I just wanted to create a project and stuff, you know what I'm saying? And then I was finna go on tour, so I was like, I need something to say that I'm promoting. And so <laughs> let me just put this together and just kind of like put it on Bandcamp and just like, you know, so I never really did no hard release and nothing for it and stuff, you know what I'm saying? I just wanted to get out there because like I said, I'm I'm a J5 fan, you know what I'm saying? Everything that I wanted to do would have followed after J5 had reached a certain point is when in my mind, and we didn't reach that point. So it was no need for me to say, oh, I'm going to do my solo shit. I don't give a fuck about that shit. You know, let somebody, well, you can have that shit, whatever. Go do that shit if you want to do that shit. But that ain't, it never floated my boat to do that because I ain't get famous by that. You know, the people not calling for I Kill. The people are calling for Jurassic 5 and stuff, you know, so. Yes. But on Soundcheck, to your point, there's a lot of great stuff. And, and thank you again for uh, putting one of my quotes there to start the album. That was a uh, thank you, bro. <laughs> big honor, man. Uh, and thank shocking, because, of course, I had no idea. And then I heard it. I was like, whoa. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> right on time. <laughs> but on there, uh, one of the things I always thought was interesting is like uh, motivation and then so fresh. On motivation, you reference Outkast and shout out Goody Mob, and then uh, so fresh you have the Andre 3000, right? Talking about how hip hop started in a party, right? So what What about Outkast and Goody Mob in particular resonates with you? Um, it was freshness, man. It was just like it was freshness, and it you know, and it was uh um, it 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 was it was just. It was a, 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 a new representation for the South and stuff, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, it wasn't a shy you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, that was that's what I had knew prior to them, you know, fast fast rapper type, you know, you know, down South booty shaking music and whatnot and stuff. And then this was on some lack stuff. And then, you know, the who's that looking at my window? I was like, yo, this is on some conscious stuff, you know what I'm saying? Because that's what was happening in hip hop at that time. Just people went to, you know, different things and stuff so for me it was like yo this is like you know it it it, it, rep- it represented like you know um just another leg of this good good music and stuff and you know 
other people they oh they they feeding off of this in, in the south and this and they got it you know what i'm saying no they got they lyrically got it you know what i'm saying so you know it was it, it was just a old whole the whole overall feeling and stuff about casting goody mob just like it was a good feeling and stuff you know so. yeah I, I love them and i do i i do think uh outcast in my opinion is the best rapper they're just phenomenal from, from the south from the south period period oh oh they, yo, that's the, that's your favorite group period I think they're the best. Yes. Wow. 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 Okay. I, I love Outkast, but I wouldn't say that. But <laughs> you know that music is subjective and stuff. But no. Nah, but I. I no. Nah, but they they up there though. No, nah, I can't front. I can't front though. They definitely made some great great tunes and great hits and stuff. So yeah, man. You know. Absolutely. Yeah. Great contribution. Great contribution. Big up. Big up. Much respect. For real. And and another thing on a sound check that I was always intrigued about was a word up with Wordsworth because on that one, a lot of it, you talk about the power of words and how words really are important. Right. So when, when did that kind of register with you, the importance and the value of words? Oh man. Uh, when I first start rhyming, when I first start rhyming and I'm like, yo, you can actually do this with with this you know what i'm saying like you know because prior to that it was no you know you write poetry or something like that but you know it didn't ever come off like that and stuff but once you had a hard beat with it and, and you can write like oh yo i can write a story oh, I, you know i started writing story raps and i, I think I, I wrote a rap about crack or something like that it was just like 85 and stuff you know what i'm saying so this was what was happening at the time and stuff. So, you know, so I was, I, I found the power in being able to describe my own surroundings and stuff with these words and stuff, you know? And so the, and, 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 and being able to move people by what I say and stuff, you know? Cause people was like, oh man, that, 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 that actually says something, you know, uncles and stuff like that. Like I didn't caught their attention cause you know, rap wasn't the, the, the big genre at that time so it's like yo but if i can say something in this and then they like yo I, man I, you really kind of good i like that what you say like you know that made brought me brought more confidence in like yo what you saying is powerful and stuff you know and then i had a teacher in high school and stuff that you know made it more clear up you know and how words you know have power and stuff and then throughout the years and watching how my words have wielded me from europe to Australia to, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, yo, hell yeah, my words got power and stuff, you know? I put a battery in them shits and them shits is flying everywhere. So, you know, yeah. no, it's, it's impressive uh, for you, what you did. And then of course, just hip hop culture and rap music specifically in general that, you know, these words and this music has made such an impact around the world. I guess right. it's pretty right. Right, right, and continue to steal. It's like, yo, this is deep, and and so one of my my um uh, my um uh, my DJ um uh, producer friends from from the UK, he's like, yo, I kill. He said, man, you should get words on here, and I was like, oh hell yeah, this is perfect and stuff. And he, I shot it to him. So he shot it to him and stuff, and he turned it around right, right back, 24 hours and stuff at that verse. And I'm like, yo, he killed that shit. I love it. We're going to shoot a video for it because that shit is fucking hard. I love that song. Yeah. You know? That's one of my favorites on. Yeah, yeah. I did the production on that too and stuff. So I did majority, I did like 70% of the production on it, majority of it and stuff. So, yeah. Nice. Okay. Yeah. I was also intrigued 
because uh, this was something that also caught me off guard was when you were like uh, hosted the DJ Strong mixtape back in the day, the HIV uh, Volume 3 Contagion, um, because that one, the this was during the mixtape era and all this stuff, and mixtapes were coming out, and I think I knew from being around, just using an example of people you had on there, like Strong Arm Steady, that was starting to be a movement right. on this coast as well. But I think the perception is that the Jurassic Fives of the world didn't participate in that. So what made you want to like host and be a part of a DJ Strong mixtape like that? Man, I just try, you know, try, I, I, I mean, I always like uh, uh, have camaraderie with, with all all LA artists and stuff, you know, like, you know, I got a good rapport with the majority of people that I have met and stuff. Cause you know, I'm, I'm just, you know, speaking from a, a I guess a, a, a biased standpoint, I love LA, you know what I'm saying? So I'm going to support whatever's here and stuff, you know what I'm saying? From glasses Malone, that's my homie, you know what I'm saying? To, you know, to, to the strong arm steadies and, you know, other people that's, out there and stuff so uh i just want you know placing myself in in whatever's going on and stuff and being a part of it and stuff and feeling good that somebody even reached out to me to even want to do something and stuff you know what i'm saying because i know sometimes you know um it's it it, it it gets painted like you know like uh you know it used to get painted like jurassic five is too big to do stuff you know what i'm saying like in in and I never wanted to ever feel like that and stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, I'm a, I'm a, you know, a community hood person and stuff. So, you know, I like to be able to go around and feel good that I can go around and go back to the places that I came from and stuff, you know? So I'm always going to help out if I come back, you know what I'm saying? If I'm going to the Project Law, you know, oh, you need me to host? Oh, yeah, man, I do that. You know what I'm saying? Not for no money. You know what I'm saying? Just because I want to be a part of something and stuff. If you give me some money, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to turn it down, but, you know, but... For the most part, I'm I, I'm a community person, so I always want to be disconnected to you know my community and you know the, the, what's going on and stuff. You know, what I'm saying just us just staying connected and stuff. You know, so I think I yeah. thought that was a good way to still be connected and stuff. You know? Well, speaking of what's going on, what do you want to let people know now that you're working on or that they should check for? Um, right now and stuff. Um, I'm doing uh some uh secretive work no i got i got a i got i got a uh i'm working on a a, a j5 ep that i'm gonna put out and stuff um I, I, um we had some stuff that never uh surfaced that um i feel like you know the fans need and stuff so um i went and put my little mix on it you know what i'm saying and you know put something together and stuff so i'm gonna feed the fans and stuff because the group is you know not functioning right now and stuff and i don't know what's going on with that and stuff so you know for me i'm a j5 fan and i know what fans want and stuff so and i got that so that's where you know i'm gonna be able to feed the fans and stuff so that's my my goal is to feed the fans and stuff you know so look out be on the lookout for some new j5 um coming out soon that's exciting man yeah man congratulations yeah, yeah thank you thank you man I, i'll shoot you so i'll shoot you so you can hear you know what, what it is and stuff but I, i'm i'm pretty proud i'm pretty proud of it and stuff you know i actually it, it, it actually just happened by you know way of a of an accident and stuff you know i um i was 
soliciting, you know, um, some other people in my crew to <laughs> do the production for it and stuff. And they wanted to do new stuff, and you know, and I'm like, I don't, you know, I'm not really feeling doing anything new, you know, because um, we're not the same people. <laughs> So, you know, we ain't been to get in the studio like seven to eight years, ten years and stuff. For me, it's like scary to, you know, fuck up your 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 um reputation. You know what I'm saying? Because if you put out some whack shit, <laughs> you're fucked. You know what I'm saying? You got, a, you got a big legacy, man. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, for me, I'm like, yo, you know, I'd rather put out something when we were a crew. You know, because it's not old. And if it is old, Jurassic Five is famous for what old school shit. So it don't even matter. It's not dated. <laughs> We've never been up to date. So what is the problem? You know what I'm saying? Like it was no, it would be no problem and stuff. So you know, I I got some. I'm holding some fucking heat right now. So yeah, I'm I'm excited. I'm excited. Well, there it is. I killed MC. Thanks for coming through. Unique access, man. We really appreciate it. Man, thank you for having me, and I appreciate this, man. Finally, uh, I finally get to get my face on on unique access and stuff. What's up, y'all? <laughs> Thank you, man. I appreciate this. This is beautiful, man. Much respect, man. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in to Unique Access with Soren Baker. I appreciate your guys' support. Please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts and however you guys checked out this episode of Unique Access with Soren Baker. Also, if you haven't already, please pick up the copies of my two most recent books. The History of Gangster Rap and The Gucci Man Guide to Greatness with Gucci Man. You can find both of those books on Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, at the independent bookstore near you. And of course, you could also check them out at your library. And if any of those places don't have them, please request them. And most importantly, thank you so much for listening to Unique Access with Soren Baker, however you listen to us. And please subscribe so we get into your feed. Hit us with that like. And hit us with the five stars, 10 stars, 100 stars, whatever's the highest they got on this platform. But we appreciate your guys' support and look forward to you checking us out on the next episode. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.